Welcome to Light of Prophecy International. I'm Bogdan, Danny Shinkarenko, and I'm here with Pastor Mike Avalon. How are you today? Danny, good to see you. Good to, good to be you. here. Yeah. Good to be seen. Yes, indeed. Well, this is this is another opportunity to share the Word of God with those that are listening. And I'm excited about our continuation of our subject. Absolutely. Before we start, I'll have a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for bringing us here today. Thank you for the freedom to study your word and to share it with, with your people out there. We ask for your presence and your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we are starting with question nine. We got, we got into Halfway a Halfway through bit. it, huh? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And uh, the, what was the question, Danny? So we can kind of get caught back up again. So question nine was, is the sharp sword a symbol of the word of god yeah and we as a recap um hebrews 4 12 to 13 tells us it is that's right and um on um i mean it, it has the ability to get right to the inner parts of our body that's and true. our mind yeah. and um but then ephesians 6 17 clarifies it and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Okay, so the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Um, you know, it's 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 interesting. Uh, a double-edged sword, we call it that because it has two edges. Correct. And it's interesting that God's word has two edges. What are those two edges? Well, you have the law and the prophets. That's a two-edge. And another symbol of the same thing is the Old and New Testament. So with those two edges, you cut to the left and you have the ability to swing to the right and cut to the right. And it's it's pretty much a slaughtering weapon. Yeah. And and nothing can stand in the way of God's word. I mean, it has the ability to cut through even through bone and marrow is what we read last time. Now, it sounds pretty violent what I just told you. But when you're fighting uh, a demonic force, you know, a lot of guys, Danny, they, they, they feel like they're too macho to be a follower of Jesus. Mm-hmm. They think Jesus is for women and children. Yeah. But if a man, a, a tough, strong man would realize that he is not fighting another tough, strong man. He's yeah. fighting a demon. Yeah. Satan's forces and their spirit. Okay? Yeah. There's no way, I don't care how big your muscles are, how big your guns are, there is there's no, nothing you can do to fight a spirit. It's, you shoot at a spirit, and Danny, that bullet will go right through that demon, and it'll just turn around and laugh at you. Yeah. You need to have a spirit, the Holy Spirit, to fight a demonic spirit. And if men can understand that, that God is looking for real men, men of faith, to be able to fight the devil and his demons and and to have victory that man has to be a spiritual man yeah i mean this is serious this is serious business absolutely and so when when a when a man finally gets that in his head then we would have more spiritual warfare men out there warriors for god and better families at that i imagine oh amen yeah, so uh, speaking of that, look at Romans 13, one, uh, 12 to 14, and it says, 
The night is far spent, and this is speaking on a symbolic level. Mm-hmm. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of what? Light. Armor of light. So now this armor that we have on, it's, it's, we're starting to see it's more spiritual. It's an armor of light. Okay. okay. Now, let's, now let's clarify what, well, let's see what the Bible clarifies, what the light is. Read verse 13. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. But then 14. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Okay, and then it goes on and says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. So the armor of light is the Lord Jesus Christ. We put on his righteousness. We put on his power. We put on his spiritual suit if you will yeah you put that on and you become this incredible spirit-filled warrior even though people cannot see the armor right you know us guys we like armor yeah but but when you look when you look at this armor you can't see it but every person that gets on his knees every morning Mm -hmm. and puts on the lord jesus christ he is he becomes a spiritual warrior powerful and uh, with that, they go into battle every morning. Every woman, every man, every child has the ability to put on the armor, and the armor fits. Amen. There's nothing worse. Do you remember when David put on Saul's armor? Yeah, yeah I was actually listening kind of, about that yesterday. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's like trying to fight um, the devil. In this case, the devil uh, is symbolized as Goliath. And Goliath, you know, he's going to go fight Goliath in all his armor, and he puts on the king's suit and it doesn't fit right because the king was a big guy yeah just naturally he was a big guy yeah. not as big as a giant right but it didn't fit david david's a young boy right so what did david do he said i can't find, forget this man <laughs> so he, he he gives the suit back gives the armor back to the to the king and he goes out there in his normal clothes which was a shepherd yeah outfit was he out there in a shepherd's outfit or was he out there with the most awesome armor that could ever be mustered? Well, if, if you if you read the story and David's attitude and what he believed in his faith, he mm-hmm. definitely he definitely was wearing the armor of, of God. Okay, sure. so he couldn't see it, no. but it was he was fully cloaked. Absolutely. With the armor of God. Okay. So when we put on the Lord Jesus Christ, that is powerful. And then um and then we can have we can fight and be successful in our battle. Amen. So our next question, let's read that one. So question 10, did Jesus use the word to fight Satan when he was tempted in the desert? Okay, so just like what we talked about with David, let's see what happens here in Matthew 4, 1 to 4. It says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil? And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hungered. I, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. And when the tempter came, see the devil, he doesn't play fair. Right. He waits until you're just like totally strung out and then he throws a, right. a zinger at you. Yep. He's a cheat, by the way. Absolutely. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. 
And uh, and Jesus answered and said, "It is written." See, yeah. Here he he's he's whipping out his sword. That's right. Isn't that amazing? Here's his sword. He's whipping out scripture, and he says, "It is written." Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Danny, it is so important that we realize that when we study the Bible, we need to study the Bible. You know what I mean by that? What do you mean by that? Well, there's a lot of people that think things and they say things mm-hmm. based on what they think. Right. And like we talked about in the other programs, no one cares what you think and no one cares what I think about what Scripture says. It's what the Scripture says. Right. And men have brought in their traditions. Right. And when when Constantine mixed um, truth with error, he he brought the pagans and Christians together and mixed it all together like in a blender. Yeah. And then with that blender, all of a sudden we got paganistic stuff in God's church. Right. And it became tradition. Just because you do some, just because you practice a life for a thousand years, right? Doesn't, doesn't make it the truth. Does it? Does it make it the truth? Absolutely no, not. It doesn't, and that's why we have to stay with the sola scriptura. Period. Yep. Luther stood on sola scriptura. Did he have all the answers? No, because he didn't get all the answers. Yeah. Right away, but he did find one thing: is that the Bible was the answer, the only right. answer. Well, and other that- men came later. And kept studying on that same principle, and they kept finding more truth and more truth and more truth, and it and it progresses that way. Well, I mean, like we have, we have the verse says line upon line, precept upon okay. precept. Uh, it also that that thought reminds me of how electronics mm-hmm. work. Is mm-hmm. that you don't have to reinvent electricity every single time you go to <laughs> thank goodness you know. To make some some new electronic, you I know, thought you were going to say the you, wheel. <laughs> yeah, no, no, electricity, electricity on that one. Okay, something um, new. <laughs> yeah, but you don't have to reinvent electricity every single time you want to make a new device. You yeah. just build upon the last one, but you know the principles that are there, and that's why uh, it's it's encouraging because you might not have all the answers right away, mm-hmm. but keep studying. You keep studying, keep studying, and mm-hmm. the answers will will be shown to you. Yeah, line upon line, precept upon precept, like we learn in other programs, mm-hmm. which is Isaiah 28, mm-hmm. uh, tw- starting with 29, um, uh, uh, verse 9, I mean. And and so here Jesus is using, a, thus saith the Lord to fight the devil. He whips out his spiritual sword, mm-hmm. and the devil says, okay, i got to try something else. And then he tries something else. And then he tries something else. Finally, when he tells Jesus to bow down and worship him, Jesus says, get the hints. Yeah. You know. And um, so this is how we are supposed to fight with scripture. Yeah. Anytime we get tempted, we need to have a scripture in our back pocket. Yeah. If you know what I mean. Metaphorically. By that. Yeah. Metaphorically. And and to be able to whip that out and quote it to the devil yep. and watch him run. Yep. He doesn't, that sword scares him half to death. Yeah. So, of course, with prayer. Um, so anyways, let's move on. So question 11, what will happen to us if we tamper with the word of God? And the answer comes from Revelation 22, 18 and 19. This is serious. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life 
and out of the holy city and from the things that are written in this book. So, Ooh, it serious very, business. Very serious business. And one one question that I've gotten is that this passage is alluding to the fact that the Bible can be changeable, that the Bible can be changed. Mm. True or false? False. It cannot be changed. God's word is as sure as the foundation that God has built it on. So what is this referring to then? What what is what kind of taking out and adding is this verse referring to? Well, it's it's like uh, when we were in, in Daniel, it talks about yeah, he thinks, speaking about this antichrist mm-hmm. power, yeah. he thinks to change times and laws. Yeah. Does he change God's time and law? No. He can't. He thinks he can. Right. He, so, he, he does, so he does men, all the effects men, of doing yeah, it. They tamper with stuff. Men will tamper with stuff. We got Bibles out there that are that have uh, origin and mercen. Uh, mm-hmm. They literally tampered with the Word of God and took out the deity of Christ in the New Testament. Wow. And trying to belittle who Christ really was. Yeah. And from these corrupt manuscripts... The Rome, the Church of Rome, is what they stand on. Let me just, let me just explain to the, the the listeners right now something very interesting. Yeah. There are there are two branches of Christianity. Okay. The branch started in uh, Alexandria, Egypt. Mm-hmm. There was these guys. They were called the Desert Fathers, and what they were is Christians that were mixing um, Buddhism with with Christianity, and they started coming up with all these strange ideas. Okay. And what they did is is they had their Bible. Okay. And then we had the pure manuscripts that the Albigenses, the Waldenses, the Huguenots had during the Dark Ages. They had the pure manuscripts. And that led to the Protestant Reformation. So the King James Bible was from the pure manuscripts. And then the, the Roman Catholic Church, they had their corrupt manuscripts from the Vaticanus and the Sinaiticus manuscripts, which were corrupt by Merson and Origen. And Merson and Origen didn't even agree, but they they hodgepodge it together, and and the parts that they didn't have, then they went to the Texas Receptus and got the parts that they didn't have, because there's only five percent of these corrupt manuscripts, yeah. which doesn't make sense. Why didn't you just read use the 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 con the, the complete scriptures? Well, they said, well, because they're the oldest. Well, they're old because they were thrown in a garbage. And they were kept there in, 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 in Mount Sinai, which is not really Mount Sinai. Mm-hmm. Um, Constantine's um, Constantine's mother said it was Sinai, so all of a sudden it's Sinai. Oh, wow. It wasn't Sinai. Yeah. Sinai is in Arabia, and it's called Mount of Laws. Yeah. Anyways, so these corrupt manuscripts caused all kinds of problems, and they, they were literally cutting away at the Word of God and adding to the Word of God. Okay. And it's a curse with people that do that. So when we have the NIV, the RSV, and and the Revised Standard Version, and all these different manuscripts, uh, Bibles, they they're not they're not Protestant. Wow. King James is the Protestant Bible. Okay. That's what the Protestant uh, uh, the Protestant uh, Bible is what they stood on, and it has correct doctrine. Yeah. So that it is serious. So yes, the Bible has been tampered with. Right. But that doesn't change the truths of it. That doesn't change the doctrines of it. That nope. doesn't change what God no. put in there in the first place. Yeah, and people need to be educated on this stuff. It's like it's like I guess if we talk about 
a vandalized wall. It doesn't mm-hmm. change the fact that it's still a wall. It's still a wall. Um, yeah. So, so the King James is one that we can count on. Yep. Yes. Any King James? Well, there's the New King James. It's been tampered with. Okay. Just stay with the good King James, the good old King James. Okay. That's it. Period. And you got yourself a Protestant Bible. Good. Now that that Protestant Bible, King James, before it was called the Geneva Bible. Now yeah. I've taken the Geneva Bible and I've compared it with the King James, and it just runs neck and neck. Okay. Of course, there's some really old spellings in there and, yeah. and stuff. Uh, makes it hard to read, yeah. but is the context is still the same. Right. Okay. So, so we have to understand that that there was the church in Antioch. That was that was the the conference headquarters. Okay. Of the time of Christ, uh, after Christ went to heaven, the time of Paul and the apostles, apostolic, and and they sent missionaries all over the world. Some of those missionaries went to northern Italy, okay, southern France, okay, okay. which is that mountain range that separates mm-hmm. that separates France from Italy, okay, and and these Italians, these Italian people, they had the original manuscripts from Antioch. Okay. And there was a guy named Peter Alaveton. Peter Alaveton translated it from the original text into the Italic text, which is the Italian, Italian language, but mm-hmm. vernacular. And, and so they had that pure word of God. Then that pure word of God, Peter Alaveton, was a Waldensee. After he translated it, he gave it to his cousin. A lot of people believe he was a cousin, relative anyways, close relative. And his name was John Calvin, the famous reformer John Calvin in Switzerland. And he gave him the pure manuscripts. And from that, even Martin Luther used these pure manuscripts from the Waldenses. So basically, just like what we're studying here, is when you get the pure word of God, it does nothing but change you you do have a documentary on this yes i do and that's that's found at it's called uh light of prophecy international I have to write the whole thing out light of prophecy international youtube okay and you can see it. it's called the walden sees the forgotten forerunners of the protestant reformation and so that that goes into what we're talking about here about where where the manuscripts come right. from yep. how they were preserved what's real what's not right this has been very informative so let's let's ask god's blessing and then we'll come back on their time father in heaven lord we thank you so much for the sure word of god help us to to know what we believe and that we stand on the word of god only and we thank you so much for that We pray this in Jesus' name and bless those that have been listening. Bless them, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
anyways, we're going to have to continue our study for another day. Um, but this has been very informative. So let's, let's ask God's blessing and then we'll come back on their time.